Hello and welcome to This Contains Garlic. You are here with your hosts, Georgia Garlic and... Mark Garlic. And we are back for episode 16. Um, Yeah, we're in new surroundings. New surroundings, new environment, new podcast setup. Well, kind of slightly similar setup. We're still... Still in the kitchen. Still in the kitchen, but uh, happier. It's been a little bit of a, a roller coaster of emotions the past... Couple of days. Couple of days, more like a couple of so. years. Um, <laughs> but no, um, things are running more smoothly and we are nearly out of the cardboard boxes. Just. Yeah. Almost. Almost. We just need to get a bit more furniture. Um, yeah, so today we're going to talk about, um, chat through mainly all about nutrition today. Yeah. Um, sort of nutritional choices. Uh, what to eat, not in the sense of a dictatorship of what to eat and you can only eat that, but just general guidelines that we obviously um, would work with clients with and also just thought processes alongside nutrition. Um, So yeah, yeah, Mark, what's new? Eating things (laughs) and why we eat them and, you know, the personal choices we should be making and conversations we should be having with ourselves around food choices. Okay, so I think getting started on food choices, obviously we're both qualified nutritionists and we work with clients, um, either a general population or athletes, sports specific, in helping them to gauge as much nutritional uh, knowledge and strategies that are going to help them going forward. And in fact, we were having discussion yesterday whilst we were walking through the forests, because <laughs> we've just moved to a... A place very close to some very good country walks. There are some very nice country walks. And we were just getting down to the sort of, I guess, the nitty gritty of, I guess, thought processes that go through uh, clients or individuals' minds when it comes to eating. Um, And sometimes, I guess, you know, we're not necessarily advocates entirely for intuition in the sense of intuitive eating, especially if you have got a goal to reach, because it kind of opens up too large a spectrum as to whether or not you can you know it's when you have a target or you you have a goal to reach you need to do it in the most data formed way otherwise you can end up using your own intuition which is very broad it's a very broad Mm. statement for yeah i just think generally people uh this is a bit of a generalization but the understanding of calorie contents macro contents and just generally you know what is a protein what is a carb what is a fat most people struggle to differentiate between um you know the minutiae of of nutrition and we all tend to underestimate uh, how many calories we can consume in a short period of time or the amount of calories per serving of our portions or just the general general calorie contents of uh, certain foods. Um, yeah. So allowing people to use their intuition when a lot of that intuition um, has led to a certain degree, has led people into situations that they might not necessarily want to be in, then having to rely on their intuitions to get them out of the situation that put themselves in there at the first place is a bit... Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I we, we sometimes agree to disagree with this because I very much see that, you know, 
nutrition is not just calories. We must mm. be aware of the calories in which we intake on a day-to-day basis for most people. That is not necessarily everybody. There are many people that do not get stresses or strains or overthink what they eat or how they eat. There mm. are people in this world that can just literally maintain their weight the whole way through their lives. But there, there is a lot more, and especially as lifestyles have changed over the years, which don't have that control. And I always look at nutrition as we want to see how you're going to actually feel on a day-to-day basis rather than just like the calorie content on your food. And I think, you know, when calorie counting became something which was for the general population to undertake, which I guess has probably happened in plus or minus the last 10 years. I mean, it's definitely increased its uh, popularity over the last couple of years, but you know, this has been going on with uh, the likes of, you know, Slimming Worlds, Weight Watchers, you name it, because these people were technically manipulating your calorie intake, but via variations of restriction. Mm. And I think that... But they weren't necessarily educating you on... I think it's very important, though, because, you know... It was more based around sins and points and to obviously complicate individuals and... Yeah, but I mean... drive certain... I don't really um, like, I mean, I've never been one in the industry in being brutally honest. I've been through the works myself where like, I want to pick up on anybody's like negativities as business to what they do. I appreciate they have a huge uh, influence on general population, but we also know that we can't help everybody. And there is a time and a place to be able to help people. But where I don't necessarily um, they've changed a lot, especially in the last, I'd say, year or two, because they've had to, like slimming clubs and all of that, because they've got to go along with what science is really saying. But they very much based it entirely around the amount that you eat, and you could really eat whatever or have unlimited this or unlimited yeah, that. Which... I mean, for me, I kind of think like that doesn't necessarily educate somebody on their nutritional choices because you're just eating something for the sake of the calories and not necessarily thinking of the macro composition. Yeah, but they weren't, people like those types of businesses were never promoting calories in the first place. They were basing it off sins, points and other methods of you can, these are foods that you can eat freely as much as you want without any restriction and then certain foods with certain points. So no, I don't think that they were teaching people about their overall calorie but the point is is tdee and and things like that and the the calorie contents it's this is three sins this is you know two points yeah but we're not getting into that what i'm trying to say is that their sin variation was whether it was subconscious or conscious to the fact that they were calorie counting the choices in which they allowed now some people have seen success not that many statistically worldwide they have about a 16% success rate slimming clubs or groups as such and that is due to the fact that they have restricted on certain things and people can't adhere to that on daily life but the structural of how to put a plate of food together was never really there it was based off of how many sins you could have per meal which mm. is the same as how many calories can you have per meal not people didn't necessarily though, they, they the were 
the different foods would have had different macro and calorie content. So one sin for one for one thing could be one point for one thing could be 150 calories, but one point for something completely exactly different same. could be higher. So no, because it's exactly the, the same as if it fits your macros, Mark. It comes across where it's like if it fits it, you can have it. And I yeah, think but that that's within you know you'll still have to to a certain degree weigh and quantify. Yeah, that but their too. weighing version was a sin. So there is. Yeah, but that varies from one product to the other, where it doesn't necessarily vary from macro to macro if you're accumulating the macros. Yeah, but my point is, is the fact that... That's where the problem is, is because they're trying to generalize certain food groups into into this is one thing when that could vary quite drastically from uh, how many calories or macros the content of the foods were. My point is, is that my my nutrition and how I want somebody to view their nutrition should not always be revolved around calories or no, looking at the numbers. That. And actually, if we fueled ourselves on average with a nutrient-dense diet, and with it, which was balanced within mm. moderation, we wouldn't necessarily, as human beings, need to calorie count as much. If you no. were, a, you know, placing sins and saying, right, well, I can have this chocolate with this packet of crisps and this blah blah and then that will make up my sins technically as a way of restricting your intake because you're doing it via sins or via points mm. now does that educate somebody on but how much good nutrition it doesn't necessarily guarantee you make creating a, a deficit to achieve your goal but it does the vast majority it limits people it does. It massively does. It, it's worked, you know, whether it's been short term or long term, it has worked for a period of time. Whether it is right yeah, or wrong. Yeah, but you could argue that any diet works, even if it's a carnivore diet where you, all you do is eat steak all day. Like that would work. You would lose weight. Doesn't necessarily mean that's a long term or but, sustainable. But what I'm trying to say is none of these things necessarily balance out as a meal where people understand that when you no. are not rigid to the numbers and you are not you know restricted to a goal or no. wanting to achieve a goal as to how you eat on a day-to-day -day basis without having you know numbers stricken around your head the whole bloody time yeah now, and i think we just want to uh, uh clarify as well that it's not like we talk about calories and things like that in isolation um obviously with clients and and the general population we always encourage people to eat a nutrient dense diet and it doesn't just always come down to calories because obviously the different foods that you consume will have varying thermic effects and have different hormonal responses or internal responses when consumed so but I think I've generally always thought... when it comes to your, your average individual, nine out of 10 people come to us because they want to lose weight in a sustainable way. So if you've, you know, if you've got 30 kilos that you need to lose, then, you know, encouraging people to understand their metabolic inputs and outputs is a very educational way to start the, uh, the process. Yeah, but I'd still say that it doesn't necessarily educate somebody, you know, for the for the general person on a daily day-to-day -day life, 
in taking like not understanding that you don't always like what happens like where somebody's track for a period of time and then they don't want to track that's not bad no, do you know what i mean no, in no way is nobody it bad. says it is bad though. but your my point is is that somebody should be educated from the ground up as to how to put meals together and yeah. how to fuel themselves on a day-to-day basis which isn't necessarily to do with numbers now if we all ate a balanced diet and we ate things that were in reasonable quantities at certain meal times it wouldn't mm. really fucking matter you know in in terms of educating somebody on a thermic effect of food or the breakdown of macro compositions for your general person it doesn't really make that much of a big difference whether they listen to it or whether they don't mm. the only thing that i would say look calories get you to a goal you know calories are the driving factor towards any thermodynamics and and seeing progress as such but it's not nutrition you know nutrition is so much more than just looking at a number and saying like yeah, but that's I feel how like it is. W- w- with the problem that we have with society in general is we look at everything or one thing in isolation. Like just because you count calories doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do uh, eat a nutrient dense diet. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not just about counting calories. It's always it's they need to be which we do do as well to a certain degree, not to a certain degree, but in depth is obviously always educating our clients on the importance of, of, of certain things. But like, it's not just an isolation, I calorie count so I can eat shit. No, wrong. It's, you need to try and prioritize a nutrient dense diet on a day to day basis. And like George said, learn how to put, you know, a plate of food together and put, and have some form of intuition when it comes to portion control. But nutrient dense is different for everybody. Yeah, of course. Nutrient like, comes down to accessibility, environment, how much it costs. Like you know, yeah, personal preference. It comes well. to a point where, like you know, currently, if you're based in the UK or actually anywhere worldwide, you'll notice the fact that obviously food prices have dramatically increased, and it does make it like everybody always used mm. to say oh, eating healthy is really expensive. And I never was really in agreement with that because I thought, actually, what you're classifying as super healthy is is something that has been publicized as being like a superfood or you need to have something that's organic or you need this and then suddenly you're healthy. What's that really ranked? Lentils. No, but lentils are not rank, Mark. Lots of people like lentils. You don't. That's personal yeah, opinion. Sorry. If you it's like not... lentils, I'm sorry. Many people like lentils. I like lentils, just not tons just of think, them. Yeah, lentils like are the the point is, is that people were glorified for many many years based off of the fact that this was good or this was bad, and when it comes to healthy eating and stuff the reason it was glorified as being more expensive or not as cost effective as going and eating a mcdonald's or eating something for convenience was based off of the fact that what we classified as healthy is technically just in addition to your diet it's not something that necessarily makes up the whole of a diet do you need to eat organic no you don't do you need to be eating superfoods no you don't there's nothing superficial about that yeah, there's you know, no such thing there's as no a such thing as super, but I actually would say that now, you know, eating in any level is bloody expensive. I'm mm. not talking about the very convenience fast food. Like, obviously, I did see that McDonald's were increasing their prices. Um, but by a, a cent versus going to the supermarket. Yeah. And when we do a weekly shop, like, it is a lot more expensive mm. per item. So I can see why people feel restricted. But I say that... You do get a lot more value for money when it comes to convenience-based foods like... 
Do you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I reckon you could go to a you could go to a chicken and uh, chip shop and get yeah, a couple pieces of chicken and you know like KFC. You could get thousands and thousands of calories for you know fifteen bucks. Yeah, but the whole difference is is that fifteen pounds that could have fueled fifteen pounds yeah. less than that, but. If that 15 pounds is not going to fuel you for the rest of the day whether it's used up fucking 3,000 calories of your day or not it's not going to fuel you efficiently for but it would satisfy you more than you know some berries and a banana well yes and no actually I would disagree I would say that well why would berries and a banana come to mind when you were thinking about because that's, you know, the general, everybody's general perception of clean foods versus unhealthy foods is always some variation of some fruit, vegetables and, you know, zucchini noodles. Yeah, can you stop saying zucchini? It's fucking courgette. Courgette, right? sorry. Courgette. Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's how you make up those meals. Like, many people obviously have families and children to look after, and there's always a very, very important thing of understanding that if your kids are getting used to eating... Uh, look, some people don't have a choice at the moment. You know, some people are at food banks picking up food and what they can get. But in your general terms, like looking after a family, your children are imaging their nutrition based off of your your choices. And it's the same thing as if you're not, you know, so many people say to me, oh, um, I don't like eating vegetables or things like that. And, and it comes to a point where you do actually need to try, you know what I mean? And include things mm. which you don't necessarily thoroughly enjoy just for the sake of actually just managing your health. And it doesn't need to be loads. It doesn't need to be sat there eating bowls and bowls of broccoli or, you know, salads or whatever. But it being able to incorporate that stuff in does help you. And it's the same with working environments. Many... Uh, large companies who have many many employees like those that are aware of their you know notice that their employees necessarily are not fueled correctly throughout the day which is going to have a dramatic impact on their working performance in the office or out of the office or whatever but would you say that most corporate environments are conducive towards you know healthy nutrition proper I would nutrition. say that coming coming up like I've one of my best friends she runs a um a health like a I guess you could say like a well-balanced meals like they prepare for um very large companies around London and the UK she's also launched a lot of like uh good ready meals as such you know so that people can have good food at like a inconvenience i would say there are companies that are switching on to it i don't think all of them it's the same argument as do i think that companies that run huge amounts of night shifts their employees are not enticing them to be incredibly unhealthy and not, that's not sense of food choices i'm talking in general no. like illnesses things that like no, I don't think many companies, they think of the profit. They don't necessarily think of the employee. The well but there are there are times where I've worked in companies or been around companies. I worked for Adidas and their canteen was stuff that was really good food. You know what I mean? In the sense yeah. that you could have a really good meal, whether it was a big bowl of pasta with enough protein and veg or, you know, you wanted a curry or you just wanted a salad or whatever. It was there. Mm. But there are many companies that have the sort of old school canteen vibe where it's like a plastic sausage in a casserole and like you know if I go back to school like our school canteen I was very lucky at school to have I guess uh 
a nice selection of food not the fact that we didn't have to pay for it but we did but it was also enticing you that children at eight you know at 10 a.m in the morning could go and buy like a panini with like a pepperoni panini with like hash browns in it with a side of fucking crisps a dairy milk bar a bottle of ribena do you know what i mean and this was just 10 a.m and do i think they should be doing that for children no because the minute you give accessibility to not so nutrient dense food to children they're going to take it because it tastes nicer mm. and i just want to clarify that on our day-to-day lives it's so normal to just eat food because it tastes good like i don't want to ever think that like we're coming across like you always constantly day in day out are going to have a nutritionally balanced diet it's not the case there's plenty of times where we both have not eaten as nutritionally well as we should have but it's the sort of once in it's understanding that if you are of the other end of the scale where you're restricting foods that you actually really enjoy or that are very delicious, you then end up probably over consuming it when you get the chance. It's like when you go and eat out for a meal, you can plan ahead for that or you can look at the menu. But many people, if you're choosing the diet friendly option on a menu, will then statistically go home and binge on something that they actually did want to eat. Yeah, so like it's that thing of like allowing to, yourself. When you go to a restaurant and you order a salad or something like that. Well, to be honest with you, I don't mind a Caesar salad. I mean, why just a salad with a side of fries? Yeah, but some <laughs> people just, you know, when they are like being health conscious, then it's, you know, I need to eat clean. For many years, I would go yeah. to a restaurant and have, can I have like the oils and stuff on the side? Can I have a piece of white fish and a side of spinach? Like, is that a normal mentality? No, not at all. Is that like a warped perception on, you know, a relationship with food and so and so? Yes, it is. Like, I don't think, it's not putting people off. Like, I love to go to a restaurant now and I'd have a piece of fish, veg, and I'd have probably a side of chips or a potato of some sort. But it was that limiting factor of I need to go and eat something which is, I don't know, bland and boring to then mm. full fit to what I think is healthy. But I guess it's also one of these things where how you put together a meal, a lot of people are not taught these days. I was brought up in a family which taught, I guess... I came from a Jewish side of the family where, you know, mothers, daughters, grand, you know, grand, grandmothers all kind of taught the women in the family to cook very well because that technically was what our job was meant to be for husbands going forward and families going forward. Now, it's not that in any way for me now and the same with my mother, but I was taught to cook very, very well. And so I knew from the ground up how to actually put a meal together, but there's not many people that do. Like, take yourself back to food tech at school. If you did do food at school, some some schools didn't. Did you do it in Zimbabwe? No. No, obviously not. No, um, <laughs> no we actually had practical things. That is practical cooking. It's funny because I actually I mean, clearly know how to put a meal, meal together and you don't. But, like, how is cooking not practical? I mean, as an actual subject at school, you could be, I mean, spending your time doing better things. And that's the problem, because my completely disagree with you. Do you? Yeah, entirely. You should be teaching people how to... 
food is such a huge part of everybody's life. It's what we fuel to stay alive on a day-to-day basis. The fact is, is if that's not up to scratch and the information you're putting out, it's what did perfect. You do, um, what did you, what were your actual lessons? What did your lessons and uh, Cooking meals, putting meals together. What I'm saying is did I wasn't agreeing... I wasn't in agreement with the meals that were Did put you get together. To eat them? Mark, it's not about fucking eating it. It's about actually understanding. If they did some level of nutritional application with the food, it would be very beneficial to children growing up. So many people get to university age and have no idea how to cook. They then go and live off dominoes for the next four years <laughs> and then come out because they still don't know how to cook or their parents are frantically buying them recipe books to in order for them to sort of switch on to some kind of cooking or nutritional value of food but at school I'm not in agreement that when I went when I was at school what they were teaching us to cook wasn't that Mm. beneficial because it it was just like jar of curry sauce and some chicken breast and there's your curry it wasn't telling you like okay this is the spices that go into a curry this is how you build like a a nice nutrient dense meal but I do think it's something and maybe it is now in schools um where it's a little bit more nutritionally balanced and actually teaching people how to put a plate of food together. I think that's incredibly beneficial. So many people do not know how to cook and then so rely on convenience, which then at some point comes back to bite because convenience food, you know, is, is not necessarily what we should be striving to eat constantly, in my opinion. It gives people a warped perception as to, you know, number one, calorie intakes. Yes, you can eat convenience, you know, throughout the day if you need to, like grab a sandwich or grab, a, I don't know, like a, a protein milk or like some grapes or something random. But in the sense of like all of your meals coming from restaurant or pre-made or you don't necessarily know what's going into them, do you think the nutritional composition of them is any worthwhile? Probably not, you know. It's only till very recently have supermarkets and restaurants as such put, you know, I guess labels or things or tried to make things, as we always say, marketable. So saying on a packet of something that it's got high protein immediately makes somebody buy it. Whether or not the thermic effect is beneficial to somebody's protein intake is another question, but it sells because it's got protein on it. Do, do I think that convenience is something we should be basing our food no i think people should know how to cook and they should know how to put together a plate of meal in which they enjoy like i don't see why that would be wrong to do at school yeah but it, it needs to be accompanied with other nutritional education and like you said if it's just cutting up chicken and whacking it well, together that, you, if you just listened to me i didn't um, say it was beneficial I just no, said there's I'm, a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, there is a lot. Of, but I just don't think that there's a want or a need, which is which could be... That's uh, you com- know. I'm completely in disagreement. I'm going to disagree until the yeah. day I die. That, I don't understand. Do you think that doing a lesson no, on religious don't... studies where they cover literally Christianity and fuck all else is more beneficial than a child learning about what to eat on a day-to-day basis. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying as a society generally with the educational system, do they hold any value in teaching children the right they uh, and wrong? They yeah, should, and we should be to that. I'm not saying that they should be or shouldn't be doing that, but I'm just saying they don't hold any merit in that in the first place because when it comes to governmental guidelines... 
in general, especially in the UK, they are leaving it up to the private sector to set uh, standards. And at the end of the day, if you're leaving the private sector to set to set standards, that's never going to happen because it's exploited. It's exploited for profit and profit only due to us being in a capital society. But, but it's so, no different, no, because you clearly don't understand that if in a food tech lesson, you know, instead of you know, there is compass. You you have written. Do you know what I mean? You learn about what temperature your fridge should be at and how long chicken takes to go off. Or you know, there is room to literally just change that syllabus into something that is more nutritionally benefiting of a child. No, I appreciate and then that. We've mimicking discussed this the practical times as well with you know how we would potentially if we were going to educate the the general population from a young age to an old age on nutrition on how we would conduct uh, the school curriculum and the syllabus and things like that um you know we could talk about this until the cows come home do i think it would be implemented on a macro scale by a by the British government, no. So it's going to take people within the private sector or the school uh, in, uh, school system to go out of their way to further educate themselves on nutrition and then place value in it. And if there's no value in terms of like making nutrition an actual A-level subject where people can leverage learning that for future uses and, and actually, you know, use it to get a job and, and or further your your uh, personal, you know, progression and careers, then Yeah, but it's a huge no, it's it's not it's like I I just think that there should be like, time oh, and let's energy. Just do a sugar this. tax, you know what I mean? That's that's the answer to everything in this country. When it's like, no, you need to go to the grassroots level and, and educate people from a very young age. It's not nutrition. hard, Mark. No, it's not hard. We but do it every single day. I like, actually think that just like you would probably argue with me, like I hated team sports at school. Like I fucking hated them. Yeah, I, it's because just we a were personal given, preference. Yes, but I'm remember? just saying that you would argue that a child should move more. Now, I would agree with the fact that a child should move more throughout the day, potentially. Some schools have limited their... Uh, extracurricular sports to you know no, bare minimum it's, it's fairly but... obvious that 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 the people that set the the rules find no value in it or minimal value in it compared to you know little yeah but johnny then why playing... should we not voice our opinion and say no, that that's no, wrong but there's more weight in little johnny playing 17 instruments no, it's... and speaking 17 what's johnny gonna languages? do go and play in a fucking orchestra like literally exactly, that's what i'm trying but to I'm say i'm just saying that the... that's no practical application to life and this you know you you but, have always but said to me team sports for example do does have practical no limiting when you when you go to a school where the three sports are either netball hockey or lacrosse and you don't like yeah, playing I team sports that, you but... argue that team sports you can only ever understand anything if you've played team sports it's different from an all boys school who have lots of flying around you know, teenage hormones where you can go and punch each other up on a rugby pit play or throw a fucking cricket ball. But for a lot of children that I know growing up who were very academic or mm. didn't choose to be part of a team sport because... If you weren't good, you were fucking told you weren't good. And that is what the problem is with schools. Is it's not encouraging people to do something just because they, they might... don't have the facilities. Like, you go around this country and look at the schools and they've got no sports fields. And yes, they do. You were making such a large <laughs> I've been large to statement. three or four clients, uh, their children had recitals at these 
high-end schools and there were no sports fields there was yeah, like because a, they're a not basketball on the school court. thing when you go to a high-end school private school in the uk mark fyi normally the fields are down the road where you get a minibus to. Yeah. They don't have them if you're it's in... It's just not a priority. That's and But it you know, is it, a priority. But my point is, is the fact that team sports are a priority in some schools. They massively are. That's what gets you scholarships. That's what yeah. gets you into better schools and you and don't there's want a to... Lot of, there's a lot of life lessons that could be But learned. does a child who plays... But it's not... It's, that doesn't apply to every single person because at the end of the day, it's Yeah, so then preference. you're... You don't think that food techs are ver- a, a viable option when yeah. I think it's incredibly useful. Because we... We've had two different life us. experiences and two people can have varying opinions on different things. It's, but what it's do you okay. think? Do you think that a child should be given free will on what they should eat? I definitely don't. No, of course not. But, you know. Or should they not be taught how to put meals together so they can cook for themselves and not be reliant on convenience or not understand how to put together a plate of food? Yeah, but there will also be children that when they do food tech, they find it incredibly boring and find no value in it. So but it's that's like the preference. same as team sports. Exactly. It's personal preference. But doesn't yeah. mean that it doesn't mean, as I said, I think team sports and keeping children active is very, very important. But there's mm. also a level where parents then run them their children into the ground by trying to be professional yeah, sports also, like people said, at age six. Especially for girls, there's limiting factors. That I don't like think it's just girls. Play. And anyway, I know plenty of no, boys. No, but I'm just saying, like in terms of, there's so many options. There's more options for boys than there are for girls. It's either like netball, hockey. Yeah, what's yours? Rugby. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, why, why rugby, is there football or soccer, cricket, water polo, swimming? Yeah, athletics, we had swimming, you know, netball, fucking lacrosse, hockey. You shooting, name it, athletics, fencing. Yeah, but all that kind of yeah. Stuff so you say a girl can't fucking fence. no, but I'm just saying, is that openly and availably offered to women in the United Kingdom? Yes, now okay. it is actually. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's much. what I'm saying. Is back in and the day, and it was, and also it has been. But my point but is, that, is whether this personal you, preference when or you not. make the argument that there was only three options, and now you're contradicting yourself. No, I'm just saying that when you're given a team sport, swimming is not necessarily a team sport. Most of the time it's individual. Whether you're relaying or not, it is an individual sport. Fencing is an individual sport. Whether you're part of the team at school, it's nothing to do with... It's not, you're not playing along your little bum buddies with fucking eight of you. Well, you're, if you are swimming a relay and there's different people You hardly swim relay. relays, okay? You swim to individual strengths. I fucking swam the whole of my life, Mark. You swim as an individual Sorry, competitor. We, you, majority Georgia of the time. was uh, county level swimming. No, actually, I swam for England, but it's oh, okay. Sure, um, okay. You swam for England. Yeah, well, you seem to contradict that and speak no, down to it. Down. What did How you do? It's very impressive. Very impressive. What year would, did you represent? I don't know, Mark. Like going forward from that. There were three team sports available: athletics versus, mm. like, unless you all which, as I said, in a relay team, which is very limited and normally happens once a year for sports day mm. you are an individual competitor you're an individual runner if you're doing cross country you're an individual shot putter a fucking disc flyer whatever the bloody thing a disc it's, flyer just because you're part of a school team doesn't mean yeah. you're actually part of a team that well essentially you are part of a team no because rugby is a team where you're playing your direct Implicate your your direct action has a mess and maybe has a response to somebody else's in the team whilst well, you're playing. Technically, when you're doing athletics, you accumulate the points, and whoever wins the most points out of all the schools wins. So if you don't do well, your team doesn't get the points. So no, you don't see it like that. It's an individual sport. It's not <laughs> playing alongside. Like if I was. 
if you don't swim, do you know what I mean? Thinking you're doing it for a team, you swim for yourself. Yeah, but unless they also accumulate the, the, the points for like, oh, this school came first, that school came second. Well, it doesn't make any difference when you're not the direct response well, to winning that. Well, if you come that. last, then you don't get Does points. It, but no. if you come first, you get 10 points, and that goes towards the cumulative total, which does Clearly you've been brought up differently. make or break the team winning. Yeah, but I'm saying that it doesn't necessarily mean that you're part of a team. <laughs> you just are because, part of a just team. Just because you've added 10 when you points go, when to you 400. When you go and do the photos for representing and going to the swimming gala, do you do, does every single person that swam in the, in the inter-school swimming gala get their individual photo? No. You all sit down as the swimming team of 2000 and whatever, you know, and you are part of a team. No, it's not the same as playing <laughs> with a team. When you work with an individual... No, I understand what you're no, saying. You're swimming, you see... but you are essentially part of a team, which, you know... No, I don't <laughs> agree with that because I never... As I said, they're very good at making you feel like you're not part of a team unless you are directly doing something like throwing a ball to each other. There's a difference between team sports where you have no, to pass towards saying. each I'm other just... and and intercept and that blah blah and then yeah. going in a swimming pool and running your and swimming your own race or running your own race or throwing, you know at the end of the day you don't necessarily unless you're on sports day at primary school if you win a gold a medal for, for gb in the olympics does your medal account to team gb or is it just to you, to you as a person. Obviously, it's team GB. Does it does it not as an individual make so, you a better person for winning that race? Yes, but do, do you do, does the individual that has won an Olympic gold medal yeah, yeah. think, oh, I did that for the team? No, they thought Maybe. they did it for them bloody selves. You don't know. No, many people have said that. Do you think people like the they might have run for GB or they might have swam for GB, but that gold is theirs. It's not the teams. The team did fuck all at the end of the day. It was them that won it. But sure. you're in agreement no, that team sports is the only way that you can form some sort of brain cells when you grow <laughs> up. And I'm the complete opposite. I've always been an individual. Yeah, but that's based off your life experience. There's plenty of people I know about this. I've yeah, got but clients, that's also got based off their us. life experience. And then people that played in team sports have a different life experience because you've had a negative experience and they've had a positive experience. So... You know, yeah, but just like you didn't do food thousands, check and then how said many that it's people, shit. How many people do you know that still wear their, like, I remember training guys in Chelsea that would wear their first team rugby jerseys to fucking do the thing, and they were like 40. Do you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, they live, people live vicariously when they peak, and most people peak at high school when they play team sports, and they really hang on to that. Well, clearly that's you as well. Yeah, um. <laughs> because I, you know... It is what it is. Like everybody's got different experiences. So saying, no, I'm just, I'm not no saying team sport. I did. When did I say there was no value in team sports, Mark? No, I know you. Didn't I say said that. that it's very limiting because if you don't make that teams that team, yeah. you're not then pushed to do much else. So my thing is, is that we should be. If you're, if you're, if a child doesn't want to play in a team sport, they might feel threatened by the people around it. You might mm. be bullied by people in the team sport. You might not mm. enjoy that element of being around fuel dickheads sometimes. But you could entice a child to go for a walk around the field. You know, you don't have to do things necessarily that you don't like to do in order to be, like, successful at school, you know? My point is, is the fact that they should be, there should be level playing grounds. If you want people to be more active or to mm. keep some level activity, then team sports is not just the only option. 
you know, when they opened a gym up in our school, that was mm. really beneficial. Not that anybody knew what the fuck they were doing in there, mm. but it was been beneficial. And I always thoroughly enjoyed doing things for myself and nobody else. Well, I didn't like anybody else, to be quite honest with you, so why should I? That, I, I just think that being... It's very different for a boys' school versus co-ed schools or girls' schools where if you're not part of that team or that mm. sport, you're not welcome. I was made... I was well, put in social hockey team for the reason I like to talk. That's a reflection on the school that you went to. No, it was plenty of schools I know. You know, they should they should incorporate all levels uh, of enjoyment. Well, how about we do of... the same with food tech then? But you don't agree with that. Well, Instead, s- you'll sit in religious studies. Yeah, because I guess you're learning to a certain degree when no, you do I religious studies. No, I can tell you all I learned you learn about, about was the fact my RE teacher liked and eating then you biscuits. Learn about you know different religions, and it's a bit of history to a certain degree. Yeah, but you already learn history, and you're but learning you things also, that 1800s you know, are behind. So it's just not that relevant. But also, for what's going religious on now. education is also morality and teaching people that they should be nicer to each other in general. Well, I think we could do that other than just segregating in religion, to be quite honest with you, because I still think it segregates people into sections of people. Like, you know, we never learnt really about yeah, Jewish religion, even though I was Jewish. It was strongly about yeah. Christianity. They used to... They used to um they used to separate all the Greek Orthodox people because they weren't allowed to go into the chapel. That's all. Well, this is the thing. Like, I'm not saying that, like, you know, I wasn't, I didn't go to a Jewish school. And so if you went to a Jewish school, obviously, you'd, you know, your time would be spent in a synagogue learning about the Jewish religion. Yeah. But then again, if you're accepting all variations into a school who have multiple different religions, mm. whether that I went to school with people that were Jewish, Muslim, um, Catholic, and yet all you're preaching about is Jesus on the cross. I'm sorry, do you know what I mean? It's not beneficial. All I remember from Ari is watching a video that was like legitimately a video put into a, a TV about fucking Jesus walking around with the cross. Like, that's literally all we learned. We did not learn about any other religion, whether it was... I think this is a reflection on just the school that you went to. No, I went to a couple of different schools, Mark, and it was all the same. Well, like, well maybe I it's think just it... the, the, the UK system, you know? Well... Because, I mean... No, but it'd be the same as if you were going, you lived in a country which was primarily... Like, the UK is what primarily they say is Christian, isn't it? Oh, I don't. I don't. Well, my knowledge. I, I don't really. I, I wouldn't say it, but I, I'm not to say that everybody is Christian in the UK in any way, shape, or form. But I'd say that the the nature of the UK through the royals and this and that has been the church. It's not been like the, you learn in history, like the Church of England and all of the stuff that went Didn't on. Didn't we with learn it. that when we watched um, what was that program? I don't know, Mark. Judas. Uh, with that, yeah, with that dashing young man. What? Yeah, the program that we watched. Henry VIII? Yeah. And then he was like, I'm just starting my own. Didn't he start his own religion? Yes, but it was always about the cross. It was never about anything else. I think it was also because he just wanted it. But in history, all we learned was like Protestants, you know what I mean? Like all of these things that were all to really to do with the Church of England. Mm. You didn't learn about like the Jewish religion at all. Like I was only educated off of the Jewish traditions and religion based off my family not anything other than that and i'm not saying that the whole were they, were they same like, with muslim like i have like, so many people um, i know that are muslim but they've were never taught they jewish schools like just for like jewish people yeah i'm sure there are especially in london um 
In fact, maybe my mum went to a Jewish school. No, I'm not sure she did. Um, but no, I mean, going off the point, like, I think that everything I mean, is... we're doing really well talking about nutrition, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, but it's your ignorant comment on food tech where you still don't know how to understand to put... Food. We're allowed to have varying opinions without Well, you just said it was names. pointless and that upset me. Oh, well, okay. Well... Yeah, I'm upset by that, Mark. It's fine. Because You're I actually to think feel that it's that really important that people learn how Georgia, to cook. how many times have we honestly had this conversation about how we would... You still won't eat shepherd's pie because you don't like the way your mum does it, but if I made oh shepherd's my pie... God. You're such a rat. You've told her to your face. You literally went, ugh, when she said she was cooking shepherd's pie. You know what I mean? Like, you literally... I'm not a rat. You know what I mean? You rat. I'm not a rat. I'm just saying that there's certain things that you were unwilling to try because you'd been sentiment, you know, sentiment in your brain that it was horrible. If you got arrested by the police would you I'd rat you out within seconds yeah, yeah. So there you go well it depends on what, what, what the situation was if we'd both smuggled in drugs obviously not but if it was something I'm joking if it Do was you, something I don't know you'd done, I think I you'd crack would. first though I think you'd crack first I think the fact you think I'm that weak is another judgment of your character no because you do, you tend it's not that you tend to fold but you you do have more, you couldn't make more... eye contact the first time you yeah. met Mark <laughs> I mean you just squealed weird Noises. Oh, oh yeah, you first, think like, I didn't? Three or four okay. months. Three or four months. Like... I just. Oh my god. Like you know what? I wish you weren't doing this. <laughs> um, you are such a bullshitter. You couldn't even open no, your eyes I... properly when speaking to people because you were too nervous. I was too nervous. Yeah, you were nervous. You were nervous around me, which you fucking well should be. Do you know what I mean? Always keep you on your toes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I still think that you would definitely crack first. I would you've crack got in more a of a mor- yeah. You were more of a moral compass than I do. I think you underestimate that my mind is inc- comp- incredibly manipulative. I would not crack at anything. I think you would be the first one. You always think that you're such a big boy. You're like, oh, I fucking do this. You wouldn't do shit. I've never seen you like raise a fist or swear back at somebody. Why have you I, seen somebody swear back at somebody? Want, me, me. Why would I, I have raise a fist. Violence is not the. You answer, told Georgia. me yesterday, yesterday. that. <laughs> Go on. I said we were joking about, and I said I would, <laughs> I would really hurt you, and you said fuck if you even tried i'd smack your skull into the ground did you or did you not say that people might think i was I'm feeling threatened i was that's you're self-defense feeling threatened. Because no because you... you actually are like do you understand that i'm really strong and it's like well actually a woman could equally hurt you just as badly it doesn't always have to be physical violence manipulative and if i rubbed your nipple or something like that you'd literally squeal so i know oh, exactly in excitement or in pain <laughs> I know exactly the weak spot, do you know what I mean? There's weak spots to everybody, Mark. I don't think I'd crack... If I was part of the police being arrested and being under question and I was part of the action, I wouldn't crack for shit. But if you'd done something that pissed me off, of course they would rat you out. Why would I not? Because you're not a team then you're if you've done something. You're not ride or die then. That's the problem. Yeah, but that's the problem. I'm not your ride or die to be criminals. To be. You need to be. I think you'd definitely rat me out, yeah, for sure. Well, if you'd done something wrong and I was not part of it and it wasn't within my morals... Would you help me dispose of a dead body if I had to? Depends who it was. <laughs> <laughs> if it was our current landlords, our last landlords, then yeah. yes. <laughs> Fuck, no. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. Um, no, it would depend who it was. No, I probably wouldn't. No, yeah. I would. Would in, you? In fact, 
Yeah, no, I don't know. I think in the hindsight, when you've watched all these FBI programs, you're like, oh yeah, I could do that. Like that's like, I could do that. When you watch like cartel programs, but actually I think if you were in the mix, I'd probably have a panic attack and go in the toilet and cry. Mm. Um, like realistically, I'm not very, even though I can come across confrontational, I'm not confrontational in any way, shape or form. I just let things go really, which is a problem. Um, anyway, let's go on to nutrition. Stop talking about hiding dead bodies because people might actually arrest us based on. No, it's just hypothetical. Oh, we just just need to double check that we haven't got one in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Very weird. Remember that. um, What? That uh, story about that lady's husband who. Oh, no, I need to know. You weren't part of the story. Oh, sorry. I'm no longer part of the story. No, because I was the one that was told the story. It was by a client. Excuse me. It was a client's got a very good friend who is a cold case murder detective and they were once or recently called out to a case where the wife had asked the wife clearly had a lot of fetishes in the sense of sexual activity and the wife asked the husband to buy a dead body that had been killed by a hitman on the dark web, okay? So, yes, that is a legitimate thing. You can actually buy dead bodies on the dark web. And he purchased a dead body, and they put it in the basement. I mean, it's actually kind of crazy listening about it. Um, The guy was killed for some was under a murder investigation. So the guy that they'd actually bought online that was already dead was under a murder investigation. So this is why the police found out about it. And the woman, like, she liked to have sex with dead bodies. And so she had frequent intercourse or did really weird things with this dead body down in the basement. So now my question, just to interrupt you, is... How is that possible? I know. Because surely if you're Well, no, dead, because you know, because you know, Mark, that when a man has died or is killed, that actually dick their hard. dick gets hard. Yeah, they end up erect. That is And it doesn't have to be. You could do weird things. You could just like a still body. Do you know how many men in like rape cases, like drug women to the fact that they're like dead technically? And that's so fucked up in every way. But they do it all the time. Not all the yeah. time, but in... They do that to so allow for people just, to just be their doll just in a way. Just grinding on a on a frozen body. Well, it's a frozen body, and apparently it had blood dripping down from the lip to the chin, so like a drip mark of blood, because obviously it'd been murdered, and so it wasn't just like a normal death of just dying. And then, let's just put into context here: the mum and the father obviously had children. They had two young children. And the father was aware of the fact that every time she went down to the basement, she was literally just going to fuck, just like, the... well, doing weird things. And then the child one day went down to the basement whilst the mum was like licking the blood off of the dead body. And that's when the father was like, right, that's enough. The children and now then know. And you find, like, I bet you the woman was like a dental hygienist or something like that. Oh, that's so offensive. I need to go to the hygienist, actually. But, like, I bet you she had a super normal, like, these people had super normal jobs. Didn't they live in, like, quite an affluent area? Affluent area, yeah. And they, like, had, like, a lot of money. But that's, you know, yeah. they always go up to that's, no we've, fucking We've good. said this, we've said this. The, yeah, the we said this last time. The successful and wealthy you are sometimes. The, the weirdest. <laughs> yeah. Because you can. You can get away with quite a lot when you've got a lot of financial capital. Like You can, because you can just welts through life and just pay for things. That's but it's kind of so fucked. Like, would you buy me 
a dead body. So <laughs> obviously not. I literally am like the least sexual. Yeah, but surely, but the person I don't know who's weirder: the person that wants it or the person that facilitates it. Um, I would say that because, like, for you to facilitate a dead body in the first place, like, like, how do you take? like delivery of a dead body do you know what i mean it's not like somebody in like just rocks a, in up like in a cardboard box i'm like sure a dead body is heavy like if you, you're talking about what yeah it's just like when we get the dining table delivered 60 kilos what you just bring you're not gonna wrap it up in a carpet that's bloody obvious but, but you put it in like it a long be, box it would have to be cold and so it doesn't smell I think if you're buying, whoever's delivering a dead body is probably up with the fact they're also. Do you think when you hear about all these people being trafficked and stuff like that, that's what these people are? Like, did you see the uh, the, other very uh, uh, viral story of a Nigerian multi-billionaire or a multi-millionaire that was caught? uh, Him and his wife were caught at an airport as they were trying to harvest organs for their daughter that was ill. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I kind of. Um, I, I'm not for somebody dying for the sake of... I'm not for somebody like being killed, like trafficked and then killed for the sake of their organs being removed and like transported. But if you had a daughter, which you don't, barring the dogs, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure, and your daughter was very, very unwell and you were trying to to get yeah, something, you, you would probably go to the ends of the world yeah, but too. but would you be willing to kill other people for that? Uh, I don't know because I don't have children, but potentially. I reckon it depends how much you love your children. Some people don't really love their children. I don't know whether my parents would have done it. If I was like, needed like a fucking heart transplant or something. Or they'd just go and find a homeless person and ice them. No, I just, my God, that's so far. Why would you want a homeless person? Because at the end of the day, that's, you know, you want, you're not going to go and just start killing people. You're killing people that are, that nobody's going to look for. Otherwise you get in trouble. Or you go to places in which people aren't necessarily registered as citizens. Anything. It's just, but it's quite immoral. I kind of understand why they've, they've done that. Not that they've killed somebody else or they, they, they probably didn't kill somebody else. They probably bought a harvest did organ from a black dealer you know what i mean like a, a black, black like black dealer. market no, dealer. I, think they like, were, I think the whole thing was they were in trying to you traffic a whole bunch of like it wasn't just one person it was a group of yeah, people well, from multiple different organs in which they would have ended up well have you selected dying. to give your organs away if you died yeah i have because i used to ride a motorcycle well, that and was I like, feel like if you ride that. a motorcycle, that's like you living in high school. To... I used to ride. And today, when we were driving back from London, Mark was like, and this is where I got hit on my motorcycle. I was like, that is why you don't drive a motorcycle any longer. Mm. Yeah, yeah, funny that. Um, I I, my mum's just said that they give you that option when you reapply. Yeah, I think if you ride a motorbike, then you are, you know, you're increasing. I think the, the statistic is you've literally got like a 25% chance of dying every time you get on a bike. Or, I think that's because uh, that's one in four. So one in four times you ride it, you die, which is, I think that's a bit people use that statistic just to scare individuals from riding motorcycles in general. But I've never been um, one for supporting. Yeah, that. I think if you, uh, it's very high risk, high reward. Didn't like motorcycle tours like around like mountains on quiet roads where there's a whole group of you like that must be quite fun for people but Mm. riding motorcycles on the daily on the fucking motorway Mm. in pissing rain like 
so much fun. Is it fun though? Because when you turned 30, you had a breakdown about doing anything that was not like yeah, my, sensible. My attitude changed quite a bit. Yeah, it did. I definitely think that that little thing fused in your brain to realise that you couldn't be a little twat the whole of your life on a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to what we eat. I well, just think that you would have looked really good with leather pants on the back. You know. Okay, Mark, as I said, I'm the least sexual being. You can imagine what you want, but it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> You've got the glutes right. That's okay, sure. Mark, you don't... I mean, just... <laughs> you sound like a creep. You I'm sound just like paying a you a compliment. They're saying that you've got a very nice uh, uh, bum. Just on a side note, before we get back onto nutrition, um, we've gone to... <laughs> we've moved, obviously, new routine, new gym, and we've decided it's a really cool gym but it seems to be where it's like proper hardcore it's not like hardcore and like strong men proper strong like man. actual like eddie like Hall style like really like strong people like actual like really strong people <laughs> yeah, there's like only way to normally strong people. like people that are like will like like if you break down they'll fucking pull your car in a half do you know what i mean just up the road with like mm. Yeah, anyway, doing those log... It was a bit like, okay, I can't complain when somebody slams the bar on the floor. No, <laughs> not in that gym. Not no. in that gym. Um, yeah, big, the big boys are out, literally. They mm. must all segregate in that one warehouse. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I've nice. never seen so many men that were like very large with beards in one proximity. <laughs> Mark, yeah. you seem to have obviously... Mark didn't feel like he was as strong as no, some I of just them. Res- yeah, I've resigned myself to... I'll just do a one-arm row, mate. staying in the, in the corner. <laughs> you know. I won't be wearing my NMDs. I need to put my Metcons on, otherwise I'm not yeah. welcome. <laughs> no, no, it's... Um... Yeah, it's different. It's going to take some time. i just one of those people where, like, I'm not going to lie, I like the as- the atmosphere of... A community in CrossFit. I've never really done it myself. Like, I've done the odd, like, class, whatever. But it's just the constant slamming of weights on the ground for other members. It's, I get it. You need to slam it on the ground, clearly, especially if you're lifting a lot of weight. Like, you can't necessarily control it on the eccentric portion. But, you know, it's just constant slamming. Like, that's what really annoyed me in the last gym we were out. The guys that just, like, flew, like, just threw bars on the floor. Like, just control it. Yeah, like, but it, you, you, you're not meant to control Olympic lifting. Well, mm, I would say you. Look there the is a level of... any any prefer- competitive platform and they put the bar above their head and they drop it right onto the ground. Yeah, like that's so unnecessary, but whatever. It's each their own. I get it. You're like, whoa, Maybe fuck. you should like, start your own lifting federation where it's like you do the lift and then, <laughs> and then you have to, depending on how many decibels you make when you put the bar down, predetermines your score. Well, I'll be contradictory here to say that if you've got control on the way up and down in a movement, you're definitely strong enough to do it. I don't know. That's a big statement. Yeah, I know I you mean, can pull... Just, yeah. I don't know. I think it's the whole thing of like getting someone just dropping it on the ground kind of means you can't necessarily control it. Like a a snatch would become very uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot, unless you're going to do all the accessories, like there's quite a lot of risk with Olympic lifting with a lot of shoulder injuries and like hip injuries and knee injuries. But if you do it properly, these guys look like fucking legit. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just the slamming, slamming of the weights drives me insane. Anyway, one day when we're deadlifting 500 kilos I'm off the floor. I'm never going to deadlift in that gym. I'm never deadlifting. 
It'll be like my max effort will be like not even their warm up. Do you think? Yeah, the guy was deadlifting 325 kgs. Like it was easy. Well, I wouldn't say it looked like it was easy. It looked like he was about to have a nosebleed. The but... other day I tried <laughs> 220 and I almost shat my pants. <laughs> no more. <laughs> <laughs> and you choose to wear like grey tracksuit bottoms, do you know what I mean? Like, literally. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, like, I, I was thinking the amount of effort to put me into doing like that, it's like 200 for that dude would be. I can peanut. hip thrust 200 plus. Yeah, it's 200. It's a different movement yeah. though, because you. Well, actually, you still need to be pretty fucking reasonably yeah, strong to get 200 to do that. kilos up on hip thrust. Well, especially with good form, not just like dog shit form, but like, yeah, I mean. It's a lot of weight. It seems like petty numbers when you throw it, but actually when you get to lifting those levels, like, fuck, it's hard work. Um, although I will say, the thing that I don't really like about powerlifting as such is the fact there's so much break in between. I literally watched two girls have a chat for like 18 minutes in between like one squat and I was like, Jesus, they must have a lot of time because like, I don't have time for that shit, you know, just to rest for 18 minutes in between each set. That seems a bit extreme, doesn't it? Yeah, it's for you. I mean, you're fully recovered by then. I'd just lose interest and go home. Yeah, I'd just be tired. The pre-workout <laughs> would have worn off. But like, see you later. Anyway, based off of what to eat, actually, good one conversation of what we just said about training and lifting and eating. I think um, with nutrition, it's really important, as we always say, that if you are training with a decent program and structure that obviously your nutrition needs to match to some degree because if not you're never going to see the full returns to your efforts in the gym and your performance will lack if your your nutrition does not match so I guess we get quite a lot of questions actually like what 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 should I eat like before I exercise or after I exercise I think it's First and foremost, it's really important to clarify that one, this is all personal preference. It really comes down to what you're doing, what you're following, what your structure is. And also just to point out that if you are training fasted, there is no superior fat loss happening because you're training fasted. It is just a, like a, a point of focus if you don't like training with food yeah, in your I mean, body. Some people or, can feel... Uh, GI distress or indigestion or bloating if they're training on a on a full stomach and they might feel nauseous um, but you know in the same breath you can have someone training fasted and feeling fatigued and running out of uh, you know yeah, I mean, Energy it very much depends on how overall you... muscular endurance which could be addressed if you eat something prior, you know, to exercise about 30 to 45 minutes prior to exercise. Yeah, um, I think things that you can look to eat before exercise, if you're one, per if you're a person that needs to eat or you want to fuel yourself with some energy before training, it very much comes down to time. A lot of people who wake up very, very early to exercise don't necessarily have the time mm. or the want or the will to cook food or to have something mm. so in that case if you are needing something to eat and you're training very early we'd always suggest like a banana or yeah, something, something that's very quick or a to... liquid or overnight oats or something you can prepare prepare maybe the the night before that you can you know get down you and then you've also got to think about like georgia said personal preference but then digestibility of these these things you know if you are wanting to eat something before you exercise eating things that take ages 
stages to digest um probably not the best idea yeah uh, you want to be having things that are easily to digest uh, one of uh, our fan favorites for like a pre-workout meal is generally like your your cereal your cocoa pops or your crave or something no like not that. crave we should not be enticed there's something I about love mark crave. loves crave but i think it is i, I, I it's like so good but it's so not something you should be the best cereal yeah i think cereal is quite hard to portion <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because the serving size is like one fucking cocoa. The, po- the portion, the portion size is when the bowl is full. Okay, Mark, and that is why you're not going to advise when and if to eat cereal. Um, I would say that, yeah, I guess go-tos before training would be more simple carbohydrates that release energy quicker into the system mm. rather than something that's more complex that takes heart, like a longer time to digest. So you're looking at something like, potentially something like rice cakes with jam on them or like piece of toast with some peanut butter and some honey or you're looking at cereal with um some milk or protein milk um you kind of want to avoid not avoid but you do want to limit the amount of fat you might ingest before you train um because it it is harder to I guess, digest before your training versus something that is obviously, as we've just said, a simple carbohydrate. I don't think it's super important, depending on the time you train. Like if you're training in the evening or like midday or something, Mm. you're likely to have included some kind of food into your day already. So I wouldn't necessarily overthink it too much on that sense. Mm. But you you don't need to have like a vast amount of protein and your pre-workout meal. You need a little bit, obviously, because it's the most satiating macro will fill you up, you know, but you don't necessarily need to be focusing highly on protein intake before you train. There, obviously, let's talk about feeding windows because there's yeah, a I lot. I guess the general misconception back in the day was there's an anabolic window, which is you know, where your body is going to be the most anabolic uh, in grey muscle tissue. Um, And people were saying that that's a couple of hours after, you know, your exercise. There's a certain window where that anabolic nature of your physiology is present. But more and more research has gone into that. And it's more drawn out. It's not just like, oh, you have to have you know your your shake or a meal like 30 minutes or 45 minutes after your training otherwise you know it's over yeah but i think um, what's important to say is if you have that windows not... is is opened up to hours um, yeah so statistically but if if you were talking from an, building somebody's nutrition on a day-to-day basis mm. if you hadn't or have not intaken any kind of protein prior to your training, mm. then you would probably want to get yeah. your first meal in after your training yes, to be sure. of for a sure. higher protein amount. Yeah. Because not only is that going to assist in so many different things, but it's, you know, part of your daily yeah, intake. Yeah, it, of- it is one of the, and we'll always go on about this, the hardest macro to, to hit in, in general. But when it comes to nutrition and nutritional choices and that internal narrative you have when you're like, oh, what should I eat? You know, that protein should be, or whichever variation, whether it's plant-based or animal-based, should should always be at the top and at the, you know, top of mind. Yeah, so so if you're you're building... And what should I eat? Okay, what protein do I have available to me? 
what carbohydrate you know it sometimes breaking meals down into the different macronutrient food groups can sometimes just help you with your overall choices um and not to say that everybody should view uh, food as fuel or food as macros or food as calories um having whatever works for you and fits into your personal preference that helps you make those choices when you have uh, the that internal narrative discussion with yourself generally helps um yeah i'd say that if you would like because obviously we do a lot I'm, of i'm just going to interrupt you again sorry uh. um uh Georgia does all of our, our food plans, so whenever we have our face-to-face clients or our virtual clients, uh, their nutrition, Georgia handles it, she writes all the bespoke meal plans, and what I want to just ask you is, how, what is because obviously essentially you are taking what people like and dislike and creating a meal template or a meal plan for them to follow, so what is that process, what is your thought process, what are your considerations and, you know, what are the kind of things that you kind of reference back to when you're working with, with our clients? I think it, I think first and foremost, like some people, clients that have come on board or that we've worked with don't really take it like we need all this information. But, I, you know, when somebody joins us, like the more information, the better when it comes to nutrition because that allows us to then go, okay, this person likes to eat a certain way or certain things or certain foods. If I was to put together somebody a nutritional plan where they say they like really pretty much every food, but they've written down their favorites. If you're looking at something like breakfast, what I'd always try and do is if they did enjoy breakfast, I look, I personally think that I'm not a massive, I don't necessarily wake up and eat something straight away. I don't think, oh, breakfast, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Normally, there's that video, breakfast. Breakfast. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> um, normally, what I do is I will always give people breakfast on their nutritional plans because, first and foremost, most individuals will not be able to hit a protein target throughout the day without dispersing it throughout meals shall we say so the reason i would always put whether or not they were like oh i don't want to eat breakfast or not i think it's very important way of getting in some kind of Mm. macro you know balance you know the sense of like getting some protein in understanding how to fuel themselves for the day it is super important in that sense like if we're going off of like fasting like so many people think that like oh if i fast oh so much is going to happen in this time and stuff for, for a lot of people, fasting doesn't really work because they're bloody hungry. So I think if somebody is to start with breakfast, what I'd always look at, if if they like eating things like oats, cereal, eggs or whatever, I would always look at saying, okay, well, this person likes eating oats at breakfast, but how can we make just a bowl of oats like a little bit more nutritionally balanced in the sense that Oats are great. As we said, if you're going pre-training, you've got a bowl of oats, that's great. But if you're thinking of a balanced meal, what you'd think about adding for that is something like oats with a scoop of protein powder in, oats with, you know, and some fruit, or you could look at doing oats with, like overnight oats with um, a yogurt, like a Greek yogurt, which is higher in protein. Mm. Or you could look at doing oats with a a protein milk of some Mm. sort and doing overnight if you're thinking of doing things like, you know, yogurt, for example, and granola, the way you can make that better is, it's not to say that yogurt and granola is not, but if nutritionally wise, it's not going to fill you up 
very for a very long period of time if you're just eating whole uh, sort of fat yogurt with um, granola it's just it's going to digest very very quickly and you're going to end up hungry so the ways you look at it is adapting the types of uh, yogurt you might be using so you might be doing something that's a sort of zero percent fat greek yogurt that's got a higher percentage of protein in it or you could look at buying a more convenience based protein yogurt which is guaranteed like we always pump Arla, but you know there's ones from like little and aldi which are pretty much comparable as well where they've got a good amount of protein in i'm talking like 20 grams of protein for yogurt that's when you'd add that yogurt to the granola to make it just a little bit more substantial than having something like a basic yogurt that might not you know might offer like we've got on the fridge that says it's high in protein but it's three grams of protein so it's not exactly i think you make sure you check the nutrition yeah i think when you say high in protein there is a number of times where like people think high in protein is actually high in protein when it's like seven grams and you're sacrificing a lot of calories and protein like i just got a very random protein pancakes don't have well they do have protein in them but like when you have four grams of protein per serving that is it's not, not it's not a decent you know what you've always got to not. think of things like if you've got a goal or uh you know to maximize your nutrition to the best way possible you know you've got to think okay well yes in some way or another we all have to uh limit our intake a day to make sure that we're maintaining our weight to some degree whether or not you're gaining losing or whatever our whole aim as humans is to have like a daily intake in which we maintain over years and years and years and years. And I think that you've always got to look at things like protein pancakes, all of these protein bits and pieces you can now buy that people are selling as high protein and stuff like that and go, okay, well, you're actually having to eat like or take a chunk of like three, four hundred calories out of your day to achieve literally three to four grams of protein. So actually, is that worth it? If you're trying to stick to targets? No, it's not. You should be looking at things that give you a higher percentage for a lower calorie um, variation whilst mixing it in with more nutrient dense food um, and calorie dense foods, obviously, because that's normal and palatable for a lot of people. But I would say that you know, lunches, we always think that, you know, we've got a lot of vegan and vegetarian clients and it's so important that they understand how to get enough protein in their daily, you know, lifestyle because most of the time people come on board with us and I can guarantee they're probably eating no more than like 30 or 40 grams a day of protein. Mm. Now, for some people, if you're very petite, that might be on the lower end of the scale, but for the average person, you know, statistically you should really be sat like anywhere up from 1.4 grams of protein they say 1.2 for those that have got no muscle building goals or anything like that but really in sense of satiation and building a plate of food you really need to be aiming for higher than that like a day and so you'll find with a lot of vegan alternatives which are higher protein they also come with a higher calorie amount so your plant-based proteins that are not like well chickpeas lentils beans and stuff like that or ones that are more processed like soya protein stuff they do come with a higher calorie content so you always need to work that out balance wise in the sense of how much you're getting for how much you're actually having to eat and so a lot of the time people can think that if you add chickpeas to a meal you're going to be getting a substantial amount more protein 
the matter of the fact is you're not. It might add in a small additional amount, same as like, I don't know, a handful of edamame beans or something like that, but it's not going to greatly impact your overall protein intake. So that's yeah. when I would always say with vegan and vegetarians, you know, you probably do need to be leaning sometimes more into convenience-based source proteins and also not being um, totally off of the idea of plant-based processed protein. So that's the likes of soy protein, temper, tofu, all of these things, because a lot of people come and they're like, well, I like to eat beans, but for you to get a substantial amount more protein, like from beans or chickpeas mm. or uh, lentils or that, you need to be eating a lot of them. Kilos. Yeah. yeah, a lot. And actually when you weigh it out and you look at it, you're like, oh my God, like that's beans. a lot of beans. And yeah. so, you and know. And you've got to also take into consideration things like fiber and, and things like that. So, yeah, some people you know, can by you too trying, to, trying to chase, especially being vegetarian or vegan, trying to chase that elusive protein, you know, target, you can overconsume fiber, which leaves you gassy and bloated. Yeah, but and actually that's happened with a lot can... of people that have come to us. They've always said like they've got really upset yeah. digestion because, mm. I mean, it is that thing of the balancing act. If you're really wanting to get optimal nutrition for yourself, like you're probably going to have to introduce things yeah. that you might not necessarily be looking directly towards if you choose to have yeah. a vegan or vegetarian diet. Look, if you eat eggs and you're eating a more, you know, vegetarian that eats dairy... Mm you're opening yourselves up for better chances. Yeah, or of like being able a pescatarian as well. Pescatarian, you know? yeah, I mean, it's totally fine. You're eating yeah. fish, you're eggs, dairy, a, that's you know, more a, than a enough. very wide uh, variety of protein sources, both lean and... I mean, I think, and I think also if you're... Animal-based. You know, I mean, comes to like lunch, you know, if you're going into your convenience-based store and you're buying a sandwich, i.e. go into Pret, if you work in London, you probably would go into Pret, and you'd buy a ridiculously overpriced sandwich um and yeah. genuinely they give you minimal filling shall we say it's all the cheapest like quantities of yeah. stuff like is always you know the stuff that's like the lettuce and the bread is very yeah. very cheap versus the chicken shall we say so you're always going to get more of the bread and the lettuce than you are mm. the chicken and so can you do better yourself are you making it yes i can still give somebody a sandwich on a nutritional plan i always do but yeah. i make sure that the the protein in which they have in there yeah. is enough that's substantial to having yeah. a filling meal and so many people are really surprised like like when we moved house we got a convenience based sandwich and there's like two slithers of chicken in there do you know what I mean yeah, tons of mayo pounds for a sandwich no Mark go up five pounds for well, a fucking sandwich that, that was from M&S four pounds for a sandwich but if you actually think about the value you're getting you're getting two pieces of bread a bit yeah, of mayo and like, like one slither you nine grams of like I don't think there's that many people in this world that are so busy. Okay, I think shift works slightly different. They might not give you a break. That is down to your employer. Please, like, for God's sake, give people decent breaks in the sense of their food. But if you've got... I don't think there's many people as well that are genuinely so busy that they can't make themselves a sandwich with enough filling or quantities of mm. macros in it. I really... I, I think yeah. it's, it does come down to slightly lazy attitude to putting yeah. food together because as you actually think cost value as well you're like 
what the fuck like you yeah, could literally bought like three loaves of bread yeah and... you're paying for convenience and i think that's what a lot of people do tend generally tend to see is when they do do some level of food prep for their own um for their own nutritional goals they generally tend to see a vast improvement not only in their body composition but their internal narrative and the way that they view food and their relationship with food in general yeah um, i think you know you so, start so to what you're trying to say is basically is when you're drawing up a plan the main uh drive not the main driving factor but one of the main considerations is obviously getting enough protein in in any form depending on what the personal preference is so that you can drive uh hypertrophy you can drive uh reduced hunger i think mainly with nutrition for like food clients it would it would mainly come off of you know reducing in in making the most of your calorie target to be full because if that's your aim and you've got a goal which majority of people that come to us are goal driven in achieving that goal Mm. then obviously targets need to come into play to manage expectations and I think as somebody you know I get people that say like I love pasta I want pizza I want this great you can have all of that but how are you going to make that as beneficial mm. to your targets as possible. So you can have pizza, but do you need some additional protein on top of it? Yeah, I mean, like, like, I guess we, we've, uh, from time to time, had like a pizza, and then we put a couple extra, you know, grams of protein. Tuna or, or chicken or, or something, or whatever, on top of the pizza. And when you, when you actually consume that, you're thinking, okay, well, I'm getting some carbohydrates. I'm obviously getting... Uh, a decent amount of fats but then you're also increasing that yeah the protein protein percentage dramatically by adding additionals on that which i mean you could argue is somewhat of a balanced meal yeah no totally it is and this is what we've got to be realized what balanced is to people's lives like you know is aiming for you know i'm gonna have you know all of this healthy food and all of that you know realistic to a lot of people no because as i said highly palatable food we enjoy to consume Mm. regularly and so if we can make that highly palatable food as balanced nutritionally or nutritionally dense as possible then actually i think it's a really decent meal i'm not saying there are you know when you go into restaurants and you go and eat a pizza go to have a domino say for example you get a takeaway they they are always at the higher end of calories because mm. the the toppings they've previously mm. put on it or how the bread's made or whatever so then placing chicken on top i mean it's not the worst selection i think what, you know? what we also need to clarify is is there's a general misconception when it comes to the fitness industry that everybody in the industry is like a robot and all we eat is chicken broccoli and like boiled vegetables um the vast majority of well, i wouldn't say the vast majority but i would say there's a large percentage of personal trainers or people in the industry that their nutrition is absolutely shocking yeah i think for us for a number of years because it comes the reality is is you are waking up at five o'clock in the morning and you're going you know four o'clock in the morning you're running on the 19 coffees uh, you work until nine, ten o'clock at night. You're incredibly active, picking up bars and spotting people and walking around the gym floor. Then you also exercise yourself. So the like the level of overall expenditure is dramatically increased. And some of the the I'm speaking for myself. Some of the guys that I know that have been in the best shape 
are guys that eat you know chocolates all day long you know and very few nutrient dense meals that, and it's always like just like cheese toasties well and, there's a difference between being in shape and like this is what we say is there's so many people that look like they're super lean because they probably that activity outweighs what yeah, they consume. Amount, yeah. You know, people just because somebody's lean doesn't mean they hold a substantial amount of muscle or be yeah. are in like amazing shape. Like no eating yeah, chocolate all day. Or they're is not. like super like anal with their diet in the sense that they count calories and macros consistently and they've got iron willpower and they never they never eat anything but clean foods in quotation marks. I mean there's each their own like I would say that I do quite like eating like I love vegetables do you know what I mean and I like eating mm. things that I feel good and this is the the biggest difference between counting your calories and counting your macros or just understanding the differences between calories and macros is calories will dictate the thermodynamics in your body so in the sense of like your calories in versus calories so they'll dictate necessarily your progress in fat loss mm. or weight gain or whatever but macros dictate exactly how you feel on a day-to-day basis because if your macro composition is dog shit and you're not and you're not eating right shall we say in the sense of you know high amounts of convenience foods mm. no, no consideration for the nutrition coming in no micronutrients coming in nothing you're going to feel worse mm. than somebody that does have a more balanced approach yeah. so like if you're t- if you're for example trying to get all of your protein from convenience based proteins like protein yogurts and protein bars and uh you know just convenience based things then is that as good as as getting it from Animal. Some people don't have a choice. I know some people don't have a choice, but you know where the source of those macros also predetermine you know your body composition and how you feel. Um, like, do I think lot. it's more beneficial that if somebody's in a shift, do you know what I mean, at work, where they're fucking starving and they've got like minimal option to like, you know, they're they're doing some. I could give an example, like a nurse or in a hospital, where like you don't really have chance to like ever fucking mm. rest. Mm. That do I think that it'd be beneficial them instead of having a couple of biscuits in the staff room, mm. having a protein bar, one hundred and fifty yes. fucking percent. Yeah, There's different. But if you were just, for example, argument's sake, and this is not obviously practical, but hypothetically, if you were getting all of your protein from protein bars, you know, the chances of you seeing as much return from a more balanced diet is also quite drastic I'd yeah say. but you know if say you're but p- push comes to shove the uh, the goal is to not over complicate it and just try your best when you can and that comes down to asking yourself a bunch of questions prior to eating um a meal or a snack and those questions are <laughs> exactly like set questions in stone no, but i set think questions in stone but you know am i really hungry you know or am i bored um am, what I, am I thirsty am yeah. i dehydrated now not to say that you should sit down at every meal and go right i shouldn't eat this in any way shape no. or form but i think you should always be asking yourself yeah just if you are somebody be... that potentially has tracked for a period of time this is a common example and then you go to the word intuitive eating, i.e. eating when you want to eat, do you know what I mean? And sticking within the reins of things. You don't really understand after tracking and you're just tracking for the calorie purpose and you don't really understand the nutritional 
quantities of food, you probably want to ask yourself like certain questions like Mark said, where like you're understanding your hunger signals. When you reach for something that might be more convenient, you need to ask yourself why. Mm. So if that is happening on a frequent basis and it's something you can nip in the bud. Now, as I said previously, when I put plans together for some people, depending on their lifestyle, majority of time, if we give breakfast for an example, a lot of people don't have time for breakfast. It's because they might push themselves right till the brink of their alarm and not have time to prepare something. That's totally normal. That's how a lot of people run. So you need something that's technically on the go as such. So you either need to be prepared for the night before where you've got that ready, or you might need to pick something up, grab and go. But you, if that's happening on a frequent basis, it's something you can address in the sense of being able to, for example, you're going into a supermarket or a petrol station um, and you're picking up a random fucking selection of things and none of it's got any common sense. You're doing that every day because mm. you're doing it from convenience. Guaranteed you've got time to, in the evening, do something where you're prepared for the morning, overnight mm. oats, um, you know, a protein milk or something. So I would always say breakfast is probably the most convenient option you need to be working with lunch i think a lot of people can prepare and can make very wise choices of putting together meals but i think before you sit down and you eat something or you reach for something mm. or you go to the cupboard or you go to the biscuit plate ask yourself a couple of questions which is one am i hungry two would you know do i need to eat this like this is how would i feel after i've eaten this do you know what I mean? Because we all sometimes know that certain things are not going to sit well with us, you know, per, depending on your personal preference with your digestion or just your eating something and then it, you might have that mental um, block, not a block, but that mental narrative where you beat yourself up because you feel like you've eaten something bad or, or something wrong. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of things that, you know, it's easier said than done. You're basically sitting down and doing a mental checklist every time you put something in your mouth. But um, I do think that if you're not choosing the approach of tracking, or you have tracked for a period of time and you need to understand how am I going to maintain this going forward? Then unfortunately, as we are quite oblivious to what we put in our mouths, like it's very easy to be cooking something and eat some of it. Do you know what I mean? Whilst yeah. you're cooking it or... Oh, there's picking... tons of things like oils and liquids and like Georgia said, a few bites here and there that we, you know, the amount of times we have done nutritional consultations and things like that. I'm not it's not a judgment thing it's just it's just purely observational when you sit down with somebody who's obviously on the verge of being morbidly obese or is really overweight and you say to them right let's let's just open a discussion about what you eat on a day-to-day -day basis it's like I eat two pieces of toast two boiled eggs for lunch i have a salad for dinner i have a one piece of chicken breast a cup of rice yeah and, and that's right. it and then you're like well you know that's you know not even 1200 calories at a push so why are we here? how are but we how are we, how are we getting to the point where the body has accumulated excess body fat stores if that's the case and then it's the oh you forget the you know the the biscuits here and then... because it comes down to the fact that as humans we really just don't want to necessarily know exactly no, I, what not we've only done. that as so you just forget well you forget how many times have i said I would to also you oh geez, babe been... i'm so hungry um you know i haven't eaten anything today and you're like dude 
and two hours ago you had four pieces of toast. You <laughs> yeah, just forget. Yeah, frequently. No, you do, Mark, you don't forget. You're just I constantly forget. hungry. I really do. I'm... Yeah, but I would say that there's there are a lot of people who don't necessarily want to take the full accountability for what they've put in their mouth. And so I'll give you a prime example. Yeah, when I was I very overweight that. and I had, before I went to like a professional nutritionist or anything like that, I was obviously had like a PT and I was really young and they used to make me like write a food diary and I never fucking wrote anything down until it got got to me submitting it and then I just wrote a load of shit like Monday to Friday, what I'd eaten. And you step on the scales, you put on like three kilos and they're looking mm-hmm. at you like why have you done that? And you're like, well, I don't know, because I've eaten only this. And they're like, really? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, obviously, because I don't necessarily want to admit that I've gone and wolfed down a multi-pack of fucking family crisps. No, I appreciate that. No, I get that. And like sitting somebody down in a room that you don't really know and then asking them shitloads of personal questions. Well, I don't really You're like... never really going to get a clear answer. But there's a combination of people feeling a certain way about it. And then there's also a very large portion, which is which has been studied by um, psychological behavior specialists is that generally when you ask a person about their calorie intake, they underestimate it by an average of between 200 to 60%. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many things where, you know, it, and especially when you're trying to deficit diet and things like that, like the difference of 150 calories or 200 calories is the difference between you losing fat or losing weight and not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's, it's, it's, a very, it's a very fine line. I think it's if, important to know that you can have everything, but you've just got to work out what's best for you. And if you're in situations where you are very overweight, then there has to be a level of responsibility. There has to be a level of, of action regardless. You know, Even if you're not tracking calories, it's asking yourself those intuitive questions. There has to be some level of thought going into it because the reality is is the food that we tend to overeat tastes really good so then you're having to battle with your willpower and you know uh, uh, and try and you know nip a bud under it when you're trying to have a small piece of like for example like you have to be literally psychotic if you have one piece of like a Cadbury's and then you put it back. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, but I think there's there are some people that can. There do are that. people that do that, but it's like one and it's oh you open it. Let me have a couple squares. Oh, there's only a few squares less. I may as well finish it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, but it's like some people have got more savory flavors. And than... there's nothing. It's not really your fault. It's just that the food is designed. You know, you've got to think that there's PhDs out there that are getting paid hundreds of thousands of pounds a year to make food taste amazing. And you know, they recently did on food marketing. They recently did a study that was based around the fact that they used to. And some of them do, some of the brands still do, but on multi-packs of stuff like that was convenience-based, like sweet foods, so stuff like chocolates, you know, like when you got a big bag of minstrels or like Maltese or something, they used to, a lot of the time, put resealable stickers on the back of packets. So it would mean that obviously that would be slightly portioned it was meant that it wasn't just going to be all eaten at once and now a lot of the brands have removed the resealable and i know it's the smallest things but subconsciously you're then like well i'm not going to put that back because i 
I'm going to finish mm. it. You know what I mean? It's not meant for me not and to be finished. that's by design. You know what I mean? That's gone through an entire process of really well-educated individuals sitting down in a room discussing exactly what we're talking about now. Well, they say that you should stop eating a tube of Pringles when you can't fit your hand in any longer. Oh, my God. I'll fit my hand like in. I'll just pour them out. Once, <laughs> that is the most appropriate slogan. Once you pop, you cannot stop because you Pringles cannot. Are, but have you ever burned a Pringle? Cannot. We did that in science at school and it's like, it's supposedly meant to put you off, obviously, no, eating a Pringle, but it didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> I literally just watched them. I will <laughs> smash a, a thing of Pringles. Easy. Yeah, Mark's probably, yeah, I mean, a couple of cheese. So, so, only chip manufacturer that has, doesn't just sell you copious amounts of air. Yeah, to be honest with you, actually, they do, but they have reduced the size of the Pringles. So. Have they really? Yeah, like everything. It's what so is this quite sad. To, like you, normally, you're just blah. If you buy a packet of crisps, you'll notice that, like, that half of it, like, three quarters of it's air. Like, I reckon you're not getting anywhere close to what they say. In fact, no I should way. be that anal like person that weighs just, it. You could weigh it and be bitterly disappointed. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like I said to you the other day. I was like, that looks like it's reducing quantity. They've literally halved the size of so many things and kept the price Shrinkflation. Increased. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's one of those things where I guess we can't really... Um, we can't really yeah, But there has that. to be some level of... And not understanding, but some level of questioning yourself when I think you it's safe are... to say Gillian McKeith if you're in the UK she used to look at people's poo and she used to say you are what you eat in a way you are what you eat in, in, because it does make up your whole life how you feel yourself like it really does it impacts so many things like mental health work mm. performance training mm. performance energy levels just everything everything really. it does dictate it and I think it's safe to say that we need to be consciously aware of what we consume on a day-to-day basis. But mm-hmm. as I've always said, that if you look at a calendar of a year or you look at a calendar of a month, you know, as long as you're being reasonably adherent to what you're eating, you know, if you had six days off in a month, you're still consistent overall percentage-wise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same with over a year. Like how many of those days where like me and Mark, like we've just been moving the whole of last week, we pretty much ate one meal a day and most of the time it was convenience because we had everything packed and we didn't have any yeah, cooking waste yeah, it was really... did we feel like great not no, really no like... but the expe- our expectations shifted because once you know that you're and everybody knows if they're eating well or they're eating shit basically and you know our expectations shifted to like we're only eating one meal a day because we're, we're packing and it's like fish and chips you know what I mean Am I going to wake up tomorrow with the expectation of feeling great? Probably not. Well, it was a large piece of cod with no batter. No, I appreciate that. But then (laughs) there were also like, we went, you know, 25 hours and the only thing that we ate was a chicken and sweet corn sandwich for yeah like literally you feel pounds. like you're about to pass out but they, I mean? there's and certain life situations like, where if you can't help it you just work with it you know there's yeah, certain things that we knew it. that we had every plate knife fork everything pan packed away ready to go how am i meant to cook i need convenience and yeah. that's when you rely on these things but you shouldn't necessarily yeah. get used to but we you know when we did look it was like okay what do we want to eat let's try and pick maximize yeah like, that has a leanish you know thing of protein and then make sure that you try and get your macronutrients not try and get your macronutrients but you're 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 trying to do the best you can with the choices that are 
Yeah, if you've got a list of takeaways and you've literally got no other choice, you need to look at, okay, don't make this difficult for yourself. You know you're going to get... Let's give Nando as an example. You know you're going to get a piece of chicken and a couple of sides. Like, Mm. it's really easy to sit on track. They've got a side of veg and a side of chips or rice or whatever and some chicken. There's nothing wrong with that. That's convenience, you know. Okay, you might not know all the cooking methods for it, but you know vaguely the calorie amounts. Make it easier for yourself. Like, we know that if we were having fish and chips, we're having a portion of chips and we're having a grilled piece of fish. We didn't have it in batter. There's things that you make, like... Adjustments. New adjustments to still enjoy these things, mm. but just make it slightly easier for yourself so that you're not eating away at things that you know that maybe is not going to make you feel 10 out of 10. But, yeah. you know, having a few days off of being more nutritionally wise, Yeah, like wise, George said, you when feel... you zoom out, it's like, okay, I know that in the next five days, my nutrition's not going to be great. It's going to be horrific to see. It's not horrific, though. Not horrific, but like in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't great. Um, You know, is it the be all and end all? No. Am I going to beat myself up over it? No. Um, And I feel feel like that's where some people. I feel like that's where some people they get into their own heads if they've had one meal off track or they haven't had a day and then it's like for a while if I can't eat well then I'm going to just stop doing everything and that's that, that can be the the downfall like okay we we couldn't control our, nu- our nutrition for a, because we're moving you know but did we still prioritize going to the gym yes did we still prioritize walking the dogs Yes, because there are certain things that you're always in control of, whether they are non-negotiables or not, that you can still consistently do and just manage what you can. Yeah, and when it comes to your nutrition, there's that if you have the availability of getting a takeaway or having something convenient, that just make it as best as you can for yourself. Like, Mm. you know, there's been times... We're literally just grabbing like a pre-made packet of chicken from, you know, the conv- yeah. you know, just and eating it whilst you're on the go. It's yeah. slightly better than just going right. I'll have a cereal bar. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you and like we always we always do a bit of forward uh, thinking when it comes to making our choices. It's like okay, if I pick this, am I going to be hungry in forty-five minutes? The answer. You know, could be yes, could be no, depending on what your options are. And there might be other options out there that you're like, okay, well, if I pick this, then I know I'm going to potentially be hungry in twenty uh, in 45 minutes. I think minutes. that's you. You're always fucking hungry. But if I pick this, then I'm uh, potentially... When I'm highly anxious, might... I just don't want to eat. That's always been me. Like, in the whole of this last couple of weeks, I've been so highly anxious that my appetite for anything well, just went. But now we're in a new place that we know. But then you also, you know, that is also... You get to the point where you're, you know that you're not eating, but when you do eat, then the chances of you having willpower or any form of decision-making skills goes out the window. So these are the things that also need to be taken into consideration when when you're making these choices. It's like, okay, if I'm going to do this now, when is my next meal potentially going to be? If it's going to be in like six or seven hours or the next day or whatever, then obviously your choices need to reflect that in the sense of, okay, I probably should be looking to get 40 to 50 grams of protein. I need to be able to, you know, get enough food volume in that's going to keep me full for longer, you know, so on and so forth. Mm. Um, And if you go long durations of not eating, then, you know, when you, when it does come to eating, then, you know, you all, all bets are off, basically, because, 
you know, being iron-willed and having the motivation to make the right choices when you're starving is yeah. They always say so. Go, don't go to the supermarket when you're on an empty stomach. But there's also that thing of like, you know, if you're going out for meals or so and so forth, like understanding that you don't necessarily like we always say don't necessarily starve yourself for um like hours on end before going out for a meal because you're more likely to then obviously overdo it when it comes to the meal because yeah. you're so hungry yeah. so yeah i mean look this is a long podcast today yeah. very long podcast we've talked about dead bodies eating food <laughs> team, team sports, sports. jinx <laughs> Don't padlock, no returns. Um, <laughs> no, how we used to play it, I say jinx. Oh, here we go, team you sports. Did in your team sports, did you play you this? When you say jinx, then you can't, uh, the other person can't speak until the other person unjinxes them, which would be quite uh, handy in our situation. Okay, well, you're still jinxed. Um, yeah, I but we talked about a lot this time. Um a little bit of a longer one for this yeah. week. So if you make it through, you're here. Well done. Yeah, well done. Um, maybe this is one to break up into three portions. Yeah, this is a... This is a long one. Mark just looked at the thing. Dog. He was like, oh dear. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we got, We hope that you've picked something up from there versus having sex with a dead body. Um, <laughs> to learn something a little bit more about nutrition and how to like balance things out. Yeah. And if you Ask ever need our help... Loads, if you're not tracking your calories... Uh, and using, you know, a more scientific method of, you know, measuring your inputs and outputs, then each person's different. You know, there are certain questions that you can ask yourself about triggers and food choices that need, uh, that you need to kind of figure out for yourself. And then before you have meals and snacks and things like that, ask yourself those questions um, yeah. to kind of, get an understanding of the way that you view food and your triggers and so on and so forth that will help you facilitate longer habitual changes to your nutrition. Yeah, and I think if you're reaching for the snacks, the com common thing is is that you clearly haven't had a very balanced meal potentially if you're constantly reaching for extra food. So yeah. just look over, listen to what we've had to say today, break it down into your own lifestyle. And if you ever need any more nutritional help, obviously we do offer bespoke nutrition plans and accountability that can help you on your way. So that is all for episode 16. Yeah. Um, we will chat to you soon. Um, have a good week. And yeah, see yeah. you later. Bye. Bye.